see how things are going in the world for our friend Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. It's um, it's a nice day, man. It's another exciting edition of Below Zero Tuesday. Yes. So we uh, we'll get through this. It's uh, I had a feeder fall off the window and. I'm going to have to wait till it warms up a little bit before I can get those suction cups to stick to the glass once again. So it's I don't know why it why it picked 23 below zero to fall off the window. It's just uh, bad timing all around. I don't know what it was thinking. Well, maybe the the folks at the quality control didn't go that low, and so therefore they they never tested perhaps. You know, and that's very possible. They're saying 23 below. No, we'll go to 22 and a half, and then we'll cut it off right there. Hey, I got to ask you a question that's being debated on Facebook about in the the, the naturalist sites about is it a good thing or a bad thing to have heated bird baths in this type of weather? Because some are saying, well, no, it's not good because then the birds will, you know, the feathers will freeze, et cetera. So what's the what's the word on that? Is it good to have that? And some people are also saying that even their heated feeders are, are freezing up. So just curious. I have never found a uh, frozen popsicle with feathers oh. <laughs> uh, by any of uh, bird waterers. Okay. So I think we sometimes we don't give birds enough credit that they're pretty smart, you know, and I see them in our bird waters, they're not taking baths when it's 23 below zero. It's just, uh, you know, even the, even those people, the polar bear folks that dive <laughs> into water, even some of them have sense. I, you know, I had a relative, or still probably do, that uh, does that. And uh, it's it's a goofy thing to do, but he enjoys it, and it's, uh, you know, it hasn't killed him yet diving into <laughs> frigid water, so I guess it's not a bad thing. It's I just think they're really smart. The only time I've ever heard somebody, I can't remember so long ago, if they called or texted or emailed or sent a letter about uh, having a starling freeze up. Really? And Yeah. I You know, and it could have been a, an ill starling that just wasn't, you know, had other problems. We don't know. But for the most part, I don't know, folks, if you have a, a heated bird bath and you're looking outside when it's 23 below, do you see birds taking a bath? I don't hear. So all I can do is go by my yard. And they are just, uh, they're smart enough. They'll come up and drink. Oh, oh boy, they, you know, that water is very important for them to have water. And a lot of people will claim that water is more important in winter than food for the birds. Can they eat snow? Because, you know, we're not supposed to eat snow. I know if you're out because it can make you too cold. Do birds eat snow if they have to? They will, but it affects them the same way it does oh. us. It, it chills us, just makes us colder. Okay. And we do get the moisture from that, but then we have to deal with needing more energy in order to keep our body heated. And birds are the same way. So I'd be happy to hear from anybody that has had problems with birds and bird baths, but boy, here and around the bat cave, I, that's just not a, okay. hasn't been a concern. So I, I hope it never is. Because it's, uh, oh, man, I can't imagine even those saunas, you know, that people get into sometimes. Uh, oh, you get out and you take that run from the sauna <laughs> in that cold weather. Oh, man. 
And it's, you know, birds are meant to invoke awe and wonder, I think. It's just uh, seeing them, we try to learn different things and we hear different questions, so wonderful things. The love of birds is a reason to go outside. And I'm constantly amazed as I watch birds just trying to make a living. You know, no bird carries a wallet or a purse. They survive without a credit card. It was 23 below this morning, and the house sparrows were chirping merrily. Oh. And that invigorated this listener. And I saw a red-tailed hawk uh, fly over the yard today, and the birds didn't pay any attention to him because, or her because he wasn't going to catch any of them. But when I was a lad, all hawks were called chicken hawks, including the beautiful red-tailed hawk. I ate way more chickens than any red-tailed hawk ever did. Uh, the hawk's diet varies with availability, season, location, of course, but mammals such as voles, mice, rats, rabbits, and ground squirrels are major prey items. Tree squirrels are gray squirrels, fox squirrels, uh, red squirrels, and chipmunks are less important prey to this hawk. And if you see one, they're generally brown above and whitish below. I watched the uh, a sad, uh, strange cat sneak through the yard at a minus 19 with a wind chill. I didn't want to know what it was. Uh, you know, cats want to be outdoors, but humans want to use hard drugs, eat too much, and drive too fast. Uh, being outdoors is as bad for a cat as those other things are mm-hmm. for us, and particularly in the winter time. Oh, I just those poor things out there with twenty some below zero. It's it's just not good. Well, I want to mention right, so. again our friend Tom Justin. You know, he is taking in the the cats and keeping them warm, yep. and he even put a little heater in uh, a little hut that he made for these feral cats to keep them warm. That guy's just got a heart of gold, and I just wanted to just say good for him. So he's got these these feral cats of Medelia that he's that he's taken care of, and I think he was just going to do it and then, you know, hey, find homes for him. But I think he's fallen in love with some of them. <laughs> well, that's good. They're, that's easy to do. And, yeah. you know, we need to be appreciative of him because I am, a, oh. I am owned by a cat, and cats don't always express appreciation as much as they should so we need to do it on their behalf I think sometimes and that's not true about all cats some cats are very loving and thankful but others are others are uh, like an employer they just expect you to do your job and get on <laughs> yeah, with it right. uh, talk about uh, rescuing things uh, I read something in a newspaper and I can't tell you which one but it there was a call to save an injured goose on the Raisin River in Detroit and so a fire rescue crew they suited up and crawled out onto the treacherous ice in this frigid weather and once close they discovered that the goose was actually a decoy oh wow so the officials considered it an unexpected training session so I guess they got some good out of it anyway I, oh, I, I'm seeing a fox squirrel here in the yard right now, and they survive our cantankerous winters because they just keep working at it. Uh, Mike of Albert Lee uh, contacted us last week, and he was asking, uh, sunflower seeds, are they bad for deer or too mm-hmm. many? I got a hold of all kinds of folks and read all kinds of things. You know, you can go online and get 9,000 different opinions on mm-hmm. everything. But uh, kind of went to people that, well, study this stuff a little bit. And I've heard through the years, you know, a lot of people will feed deer 
there used to be a program in a lot of cities where they'd offer free corn to people to feed pheasants and deer. And if we go from a rapid transition from high-fiber diet of natural woody browse to human-provided foods high in carbohydrates, that could cause a rapid change in stomach chemistry and disrupt the microorganisms in a deer's body. And this could reduce a deer's ability to properly digest food and release toxins which are absorbed into a deer's system. And in severe cases, it could cause death. And many of the most common supplemental foods people provide deer with in winter are high in carbohydrates and introduced rapidly and in large quantities could create the risk to a deer. And we usually see corn as one. But sunflowers, from what most people have told me, uh, can be a healthy addition to deer feed, but it shouldn't be the only thing we put out for wild deer to eat. And I know what most of us are saying. Well, we don't put it out for the wild deer to eat. (laughs) They come and take it from the birds. Sunflower seeds provide many of the same nutrients as acorns and other nuts that deer eat in the wild. So when offered a sudden supply of corn, a deer's digestive system doesn't have time to adjust to a high-carbohydrate diet, and they can get, uh, is it acute acidosis, acidosis? And I think uh, from what most of the folks told me, you know, uh, uh, some sunflower seeds probably isn't going to do them much harm. So I was... And I'm always happy to, um, I'll keep looking for new uh, studies and things on this because there's always some uh, graduate student out there trying to write a paper. So uh, we'll probably get more information on that. Uh, Rick Draper lives in Albert Lee. He's having gray foxes come to his door. Uh, They have a black stripe down the top side of the tail, white chin, cute face, black on the tail, uh, meat eaters. He said they must be quite hungry to snack on the sunflower seeds and deer pellets, pellets that he puts out for the deer, and maybe crack corn. I read they easily climb trees, and yeah, they do, Rick. And they raid many bird nests, and again, they do, Rick. I toss some torn-up lunch meat and hope to see them again. But for winter entertainment, a pretty nifty sight to see. Three deer are out there now vacuuming up nourishment against the wretched cold. One is slightly larger, I suppose a mom and two yearlings. Often a fourth one follows and is tolerated but not actually welcome, kind of like a black sheep cousin. Got to watch a buck deer with just one antler up to snack. Time to drop the antlers. Sits strange things growing out of the head only in the fall. Glad I don't grow sitch. Would make it hard to sleep comfortably. Imagine the headroom needed to drive. Open sunroof. Toss some bit of lunch meat by the door. Frozen solid, but Fox is happy. Maybe uh, get some pictures, and he did send me some photos. He says, slightly larger than a house cat, really cute face, and I can see it quite well, close up with binoculars. Uh, Kevin Holmes said, I've had several pairs of house finches at the feeder the last few days. Yesterday, a couple were singing their hearts out. I also had a cardinal singing at Spring Song. Uh, Denny Pressure said, of New Richland said, starlings at Suet. Are they good birds? Oh, Danny, you're asking the wrong guy about good birds and bad birds. I don't think there's anything, uh, I don't think there are any bad birds. 
So I'd have to say, yeah, good birds. Uh, Christy May said, there's more activity at my feeders than in a while, and more than just house sparrows, juncos, and house finches. Yesterday, a sharp-shinned hawk cleared the backyard and snacked in my neighbor's oak. Today, four goldfinches showed up at my front feeders. First in a while, along with a female red-bellied woodpecker, male downy, chickadees, and both a white and red-breasted nuthatch, and just now two tree sparrows are scratching in the snow in the backyard, a sight for sore eyes. Uh, Christy, I'm just starting to see American tree sparrows at my under my feeders. I hadn't really seen them all winter, but they've showed up now with this cold weather. Uh, Nels Thompson, who lives out by Hope, Minnesota, is saw a snowy owl in southwestern Dodge County. He said a local person indicated there had been two, I thought, a male and a female in the area. I dare say this weather should keep them in the area and may well bring in more. Uh, Jerry Pruitt, a friend who lives in uh, Rochester, said I photographed a varied thrush in Rochester in the boulevard of Boulevard Crab Apples on Northern Valley Drive, just south of Glendale Hills Park. The bird I saw was a colorful male. Subsequent observers the following day photographed a bird that appears to be a female. Bob Jansen's Birds of Minnesota does say the last record of two birds, both males at the same locale, was in 1998 in Morrison County. Jay and Kathy Gregerson. They live in Albert Lee, said Al. Thought you might be interested in this male house fence. As a regular visitor to our feeders, I first saw him in late summer. I yelled at my wife to look, thinking it was a bird we weren't familiar with. He had that long beak. And their photo shows this tiny little bird with this just terribly long beak. We right away saw he was a house fence. He kept putting his head down to the platform and clawing at his beak like he was trying to dislodge it, making us think he had some foreign object caught in his mouth rather than some odd growth. We thought he wouldn't live long as it would be hard for him to eat, yet he's here almost every day this winter. I'm watching him as I write this. He goes into a cage feeder and sticks his head down in for sunflower seeds. He acts and looks healthy and comes and goes with the other house finches. We'd be interested in your opinion on him. We've never seen anything like this guy. Um, Jay and Kathy, thanks. Thanks for the photos. Uh, poor little guy. You just feel sorry for him out there. It's tough enough just being outside all the time without uh, some sort of bill problem. We all have problems with bills at one time <laughs> or another, but nothing quite that serious. Uh, bird bills are... They're like human fingernails, uh, kind of soft structures, not, you know, not really terribly hard, and they grow at a constant rate. But many factors can they, many factors can be implicated in causing them to grow abnormally. Uh, disease, parasites, nutritional deficiencies, uh, genetic defects, exposure to extreme heat exposure to environmental contaminants, uh, structural damage caused by collision or other trauma. And I have seen it most often in my beloved chickadees. Uh, Vicki Laroon said, good morning, Al. Somehow I've never tired of picking up the camera to get a shot of the birds at my feeders. Such a fascination. She sent me some lovely photos, and I'm right with you there, Vicki. Uh, 
Adam Owen sent me some photos of bald eagles right in Fairmont. Thank you, Adam. Scott Mayhus, a friend who uh, is a, uh, boy, I don't know what, educational director, I think is his title, at the National Eagle Center. They did a Golden Eagle survey. He had 174 people surveying. They logged over 500 volunteer hours, drove over 6,500 miles combined. Uh, 2021's count was a success and yielded interesting results beyond Golden Eagles, although the observers did report a total of 126 Golden Eagles, which is above average, and over 1,433 bald eagles across 77 survey areas in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois. The surveyors observed 154 American kestrels, nearly doubling last year's total of 89. So that's great news for a raptor with declining numbers. They also counted 34 other bird species. So uh, Scott's been doing that for a while, and it's a a wonderful thing. He has uh, found uh, a lot more golden eagles than we ever dreamed would be over there in the Blufflands. I got a nice uh, email from Micah. said, I heard years ago birds' beaks could freeze shut after drinking. Oh. Is there any truth to this? <laughs> any truth to this? I removed my bird bass because of this reason. Micah, I have not uh, heard that, so I, I, I just can't imagine it would happen, I guess, unless they're drinking and one of that cold weather where you can throw the throw the water up in the air and it freezes in the air and falls to the ground. But I see them drinking here and I don't see any problems whatsoever. Uh, I, I don't know how that would start. You know, they get other diseases and other problems. But again, boy, birds are, you know, they're smart. They're a lot smarter than I am. So, you know, they're out there and they're doing okay. You might see me out there with my face in a bird bath with my lips frozen shut on a cold day because I'm drinking water. But not birds. Uh, could it, has it never happened as impossibility? I'd never say that about anything. But uh, thank you very, very much, Mike. I've not. I've not heard that, and it was really cool of you to care enough um, to remove bird bass. Speaking of that, I got a nice note here from, it uh, looks like Tony, and saying, why don't the feet of birds freeze? And I bet a lot of you thought about that. You look outside and say, oh, my gosh, you know, they're out there. They have bare feet. Just, oh, you would think they would just ice up their feet. And we see them put them up in their feet in their feathers so they get cold we know that but why don't they freeze well bird feet are little more than bone sinew and scale they have more tendons and probably nerves there's very few nerves there and they have a counter current heat exchange system so that means the arteries that transport blood to the legs lie in contact with the veins that return blood to the bird's heart So the warm arteries heat the cooler veins, and because the veins also cool the artery, the bird's feet are closer to the environmental temperature, and they don't lose as much heat as they would if they were at the body temperature. And the system isn't as effective in morning doves. Uh, Their feet are actually prone to freezing. Uh, Pigeons, chickens, 
folks that have raised chickens, you know, they certainly can suffer frostbite not only on their feet but on their combs. Uh, frostbitten feet on other birds aren't an impossibility. There was a rare hawk that showed up in Maine, and it suffered terrible frostbite. It came from an area where frostbite wasn't a problem. It, you know, on a, now I think about it on a barely related note, the rock pigeon, that's the pigeon we see in farm and city. It was trained for communication by the United States Army Pigeon Service, otherwise known as the Signal Pigeon Corps. And during World War II, this force consisted of 3,150 soldiers and 54,000 pigeons. Hmm. Over 90% of Army messages set by pigeons were received. The pigeon was named... G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, and it received the Dickin Medal, which is a medal, I believe, just given to animals in the service of this country, and it got it for gallantry that saved at least 1,000 lives. From 1917 until 1957, the U.S. Army Pigeon Breeding and Training Center was based at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. So pigeons are they're war heroes. Uh, another uh, email from, uh, oh, and there's no name on it, uh, do raccoons wash their food before eating? I saw one in the bird bath one day. Because they always yeah. tend to eat garbage and stuff, so I'm guessing they're not really tidy. That's just my, my guess before you answer that. <laughs> I think you're right, Karen. They're not germaphobes. No. We can say that about them. Uh, it's a probably a myth. So if you see a raccoon yard, when they find something that might be food that they're not completely familiar with, you watch them. They roll it around in their front paws to determine what it is. If a raccoon encounters a likely item at a distance from water, they'll roll it around their paws, just like they're washing it in water without involving any water. Research has determined that wetting the paws increases their sensitivity. So they wet their paws and they're able to tell more about what might be food. And their scientific name means washing bear. Oh. And raccoons, I, I had one show up here, oh, I don't know, how, it was it was below zero. And he shouldn't be out then. And he looked gigantic. He looked like a bear out there. Uh, raccoons typically weigh 14 to 40 pounds, but sometimes more. And I'm guessing this guy was more than that. If raccoons had opposable thumbs, they would be our overlords. That's I have no doubt of that. They're just, uh, boy, they are survivors out there. A uh, nice listener said, thank you for KMSU. Well, thank you for KMSU. Do vultures circle dying animals as they do in the old cowboy movies? <laughs> Yeah, I, I always think of Matt Dillon or somebody dragging, wounded, his horse ran off, he sent his horse back for help or something. He's crawling across this desert, he's got those chapped and cracked lips because of the heat, no water, and the vultures were circling overhead making the sounds of red-tailed hawks, which is an amazing thing for a vulture to do. But vultures do not stalk dying creatures 
at least North American vultures don't. I haven't spent enough time with vultures in other parts of the world to know what they do. Yeah, because wasn't it in the, the old movies you used to, if you were trying to find something or, you know, think somebody was killed, you'd watch for the vultures and they'd be circling above or something, and you'd know that that's how you'd yep. find whatever it was you were looking for that had been killed or something. Yeah, and that's, I think, how Festus always found uh, Marshall Dillon. He'd say, I believe that's Matthew <laughs> over there. And then they would, we'd all hope for the best as they rode off in that direction. And they would find him, and they'd give him a canteen of water, but they wouldn't let him gulp it much cause, very much because that would be bad for you. You just had to sip it a little bit, and that was enough. And, of course, Matthew was good. By the next week, he was all healed up, so it was a good thing. You know, if you're a vulture, you're not a, a killer, your bill, you can't kill anything. You don't have real talons to do anything. So you don't want to mess with a wounded animal because even though that animal's wounded, it might kick the vulture's butt. So you don't want to, you don't really want to stalk dying creatures because no good would come out of that. And if you see circling vultures, which of course we won't see now, but uh, during the summer and spring and into the fall, circling vultures don't necessarily indicate the presence of a dead animal either. Circling vultures may be gaining altitude for a long flight. They might be searching for food. Or I see them out there. I think they're they're exhibiting playfulness. It might be a pair bonding thing, but it it seems like they're just having a good time sometimes. You know, we don't think of vultures having a, a good time, but the, <laughs> I'm sure they do. They're out there playing. Uh, vultures will soar on thermals of warm rising air that allow them to conserve energy in flight, and they rely on these thermals of warm air to remain aloft while scanning the the ground for food. They're just, they're wonderful, wonderful birds. They are uh, like a hybrid car. They're just amazing. How little gas they burn to get things done. So uh, they're one of my favorite birds. And I know somebody's saying, every, he says every bird is his favorite bird. Yeah, because it is. Pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I like them all. I just don't have a, I, I don't dislike any bird. Sometimes I wish the, uh, Cooper's hawks or sharp shin hawks would be in somebody else's yard. I have to admit that. I don't want them to take my cardinals. I have three of them. It took me years and years and years. It took my whole life to get three cardinals in my yard. And um, I'm jealous. Uh, Last month or last week, somebody sent me a photo. They had 30 cardinals in their trees, in their yard. And I just, oh, you know, I, I, I'm not envious of, of anyone because it serves no purpose, but, boy, I came really close <laughs> there to this. And, man, that would be the yard to live in, see all those. So, uh, Al, it, before you go on, we're almost done, but uh, our friend John ha- has a note for you here. John from New Ulm always likes to weigh in. Not, an easy, uh, not an easy riddle or something. Absolutely. He easy. says... He guarantees it's a home run for Al. What, uh, what did the paperclip say to the magnet? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm attracted to you. I'm drawn to you for some unknown reason. Well, uh, you're I'm, close. Say, yeah, I find you attractive. And then he wanted to comment uh, his sister's going to be getting x-rays to see if things don't get worse because she's got cancer, as you know. And his dad had a tiny stroke, so he plans to see him today for a few days. So... And he goes, also, don't leave your pet peeves outside too long on these cold days. John in New Ulm, so, yeah. 
There we go. Yeah, I like that. It's uh, a lot of us uh, take better care of our pet peeves than we probably do our own pets. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, John, I'm going to count that as a win in my column there. So it's uh, it's rare. I get a couple of those a year, and uh, my thoughts are certainly out there with your uh, sister and your dad and uh, uh, cancers. Um, I always say I don't hate anything, but I think I hate cancer. It's just uh, it's one of those uh, fraternities or sororities you don't want to be a member of. It is cold out there. Yeah. Uh, I was I go to the post office once in a while because I have to do things. And I I put up posters because I'm a local elected official here, and we have to post things in the post office. And then I buy stamps and uh, drop off mail and and. Outside the post office, you know, I wear a mask when I go in there, and outside people that I don't get to see hardly anymore, they want to talk, which is fine. So I'm out there uh, with a guy I know very well. He he wouldn't set his long underwear on fire to keep others warm, but he's a good guy. And he'd risen early because, well, he's an early riser, and the morning brains fog and darkness had caused him to look for his cell phone by using the flashlight on his cell phone. Uh, oh, you know, that sounds goofy, but who among us hasn't done something similar? Where are my glasses? Well, you're wearing them, that kind of thing. And he told me the tale of his tomfoolery outside the post office that morning, and he enjoyed tattling on himself. But his story was mostly swear words and conjunctions. You know guys like that. It was a string of profanity peppered with a few words that weren't. And his words melted all the snow within six feet of him. Cuss words rolled off his tongue faster than a bad lumberjack splashed in a log rolling competition. The chronic cusser outside the post office was on his way to get takeout fried chicken with extra skin. He claims fried chicken is his emotional support animal. I bid him adieu by saying how nice it had been exchanging pleasantries with him. I won't tell you what he said in return. Remember, there's other ways to stay warm. <laughs> Remember, Heartland is also well worth driving past. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, you can't go wrong with Karen Wright. I say that every, uh, I think that every day. Yeah, very good. Do something wild today, folks. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, thank you, as always, for your fine company. And, and please, please, everybody stay warm and well. Thanks, Al. We appreciate you, and you stay warm, too, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? Thanks. Thanks, Karen. Yep, bye-bye. Bye.